Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, 
Shoi for Godoy, O Roy, 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 
Soy 
J.M. in the A.M. with Yechiel Shron, a brand new one called Eftacha P. It is almost impossible to keep up with all the brand new music out there. It is literally every single day we're inundated with more and more singles and albums. I sort of feel bad for those who put out a song and they expect it to have some lasting value. It's almost impossible these days to guarantee that because uh, because uh, 24 hours later, there's a whole bunch of new material that's... Um, 
that's out there. Anyway, Yechiel Shron, brand new with Eftachapi. Went back in time with Shrilly Williger to his Yom Narayim album with Kivakaras, Unisana Tokif, and Zohreinu Lechayim. Leva Nefesh classic, Uva Shofar. Zohar, brand new from Yassi Lissauer. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Thursday on this uh, 21st day of September, day number six in the month of Tishrei. The year is 5784, Tufshin Pei Dalad. My thanks to Rabbi Heber for analyzing the brand new year with us yesterday. If you missed it, you know what you got to do. You got to head to the archive section, NahumSiegel.com, NSN app, and you've got to uh, catch up and hear what re- all the things that Rabbi Heber said about yesterday. <laughs> and there's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot that he said yesterday regarding the brand new year, 5784. Those of you out there who would like to become ambassadors uh, for our year-end 2023, I should say, uh, 40th anniversary campaign, uh, there is a link at the very top of the, it's actually a banner that leads to the link at the very top of the uh, NSN app, the Nahum Single Network free app. In addition to that, you can go to NahumSiegel.com and you'll see there's a uh, an ambassador link at the top of the page there as well. We would love for as many people as possible to become ambassadors for our campaign to choose uh, an amount that they're going to try to, um, to raise for our campaign. Uh, those of you out there who are inclined to become ambassadors, we thank you. We welcome it, and uh, it's very easy. Just go to the top of uh, the Nahum Siegel Network app or the top of NahumSiegel.com and get ready to join our uh, year-end campaign. Thursday morning broadcast, JM and the AM. Coming up in the third hour this morning, we are going to speak with the uh, gentleman responsible for the book entitled The Battle for Your Computer, Israel and the Growth of the Global Cybersecurity Industry. It's written by Alon Arvatz. He is going to be in our studio here at JM in the AM. He didn't translate the book. Obviously, the book was originally uh, in uh, Hebrew. But he is responsible, as the author of the original, he's responsible for the book. And we get to meet him live and in person this morning here at JM and the AM. Now, this topic is a bit over my head, frankly. Uh, even though I'm in radio, people know that I have trouble. <laughs> Mark Zomik must be laughing. We have, I have trouble with the technical stuff. <laughs> but nonetheless, I will try to conduct an intelligent conversation regarding cybersecurity with Alon Arvatz, who's going to be joining us here at JM in the AM. More coming up. It is a a Thursday morning broadcast. Big day, of course, on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thursday, as you know, always is. Uh, We will continue with more here at JM in the AM. This with uh, Micha Gammerman.
Anachnu bechol amcha beit Yisrael chai. 
ZANG EN MUZIEK אם הכניסו בניי, שרתך לביתך, אנא, סלחנה להם. אמר לה הקדוש ברוך הוא, אוי רחל, יפה לימדת סניגוריה על בניי. די די, מנהי קולך מבכי, יש שכר לפעולתך, ושבו מארץ אויב.
JM in the AM with our friends from Pirche Yerushalayim and Kol Brahma here on a Thursday morning of the Aserashimei Tshuva. Oh, the 10 days of repentance. That's Galitzal. We'll get to them in a moment. <laughs> uh, before that, London with Mare Cohen. Words from the uh, Musaf service coming up on Monday on Yom Kippur. Yom Narayim Medley. Micha Gamerman with those high holiday selections. Yechiel Shron before that with Eftacha P here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com on the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Please become an ambassador for our year-end 40th anniversary campaign. Go to NachumSingle.com. At the top of the page is a link to become an ambassador for the campaign. We would very much welcome it and thank you for uh, making a commitment to help us fundraise for the big 40th anniversary campaign, which will end at the end of 2023. Again, go to the very top of NahumSiegel.com, see the link for the ambassadors, and at the very top of the NahumSiegel Network free app, you will see a banner, which will lead you to the ambassadors page as well, and we thank you. Golly Tzal in the background. Golly Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Golly Tzal, Shah Shtayim. Shalom Rav, Baulpan Yehonatan Gril, im Ma Shekore Achshav. חשד לפיגוע דריסה במעבר קלנדיה בצפון ירושלים. מאבטח אזרחי נפצע קל והמחבל נעצר במקום. מדווחת כתבתנו בבירה נועה ברנס. המחבל בן 38, תושב כפר אקב שבצפון ירושלים, נעצר. ברכבו נמצאה סכין, איתה פגע בעצמו לפני שהגיע למחסום. על פי החשד, הרקע לפיגוע אובדני. לאחר שעצר ליד עמדת הבידוק הביטחוני במעבר, סתה מנתיב הנסיעה בפתאומיות, ודרס את המאבטח שנפצע באורח קל. כוחות משטרה רבים נמצאים בזירה. המעבר נסגר לתנועת כלי רכב. במערכת הפוליטית מגיבים לדיווח לפיו ראש הממשלה נתניהו ביקש לבחון דרכים לאפשר לסעודיה להעשיר אורניום על אדמתה במסגרת המגעים לנורמליזציה בין המדינות. חבר הכנסת רם בן ברק, לשעבר המשנה לראש המוסד, ביקר בגלי צהל את המהלך. אני לא רואה את הפריט כזה, אני חושב שלאפשר מעגל דלק שלם למדינה, במזרח התיכון ולמדינה בכלל, שיאפשר לרצונה לעשות את הקפיצה לנשק גרעיני, כי הכל הידע יש לה, הוא דבר שצריך להימנע ממנו. גבר בן 73 טבע למוות בחוף 50 בחדרה. הוא נמשה מהמים במצב אנוש. צוות מגן דוד אדום ביצע בו פעולות החייאה, אך נאלץ לקבוע את מותו. ידיעה שהעבירה כתבתנו הדס שטייף. כתבנו שי ישראל מוסיף שמתחילת עונת הרחצה טבעו למוות 47 בני אדם. אחרי הסערה בוועדת החוקה, חבר הכנסת שמחה רוטמן מגיב לנזיפה מטעם הייעוץ המשפטי של הכנסת. מדווח כתבנו הפוליטי יובל שגב. בהמשך לאירוע אתמול בו נציגת בתי המשפט בוועדת החוקה העבירה ביקורת על חברי הכנסת והוצאה מהדיון אחרי כעס של רוטמן, אירוע שהוביל גם לפנייה חריפה של היועצת המשפטית לכנסת ליושב ראש הוועדה. רוטמן משיב כעת עם מכתב משלו. חבר הכנסת כתב ליועצת המשפטית שגית אפיק, אני שמרתי על כבודה של הכנסת ועל מעמדם של חברי הכנסת. את מנתחת ומתארת את עובדות האירוע באופן לקוי. דברי רוטמן. 50 שנה למלחמת יום הכיפורים. 
גלי צה"ל ביום שידורי מיוחד. צופיה גומה, ששכלה את שני אחיה, אפרים ודוד ישראלי, זיכרונם לברכה, סיפרה לנורית קנטי בגלי צה"ל על הרגע בו הודיעו לאימה על מותו של אפרים, ימים אחדים לאחר שדוד נפצע באורח אנוש. ביום שהסתיימה המלחמה, וכבר נשמנו לרווחה, הגיעו מקצין העיר, ואמרו לי, נאלצתי ללכת איתם, להגיד לאימא. היא פתחה את הדלת, ראתה את כל המשלחת ואמרה, רק תגידו לי שהוא נפצע. אמרתי לו, לא, אימא, הוא לא נפצע. ומיד בגלי צה"ל, בן וקובי פראג' בתוכנית מיוחדת בעקבות שירי מלחמת יום הכיפורים. מזג האוויר ללא שינוי ניכר בטמפרטורות. אלה החדשות שעורך עמיתי ליפשיץ.
JM in the AM with the Besefer Chaim medley done by Chaim Bennett and company here at JM in the AM. Words that we will say through uh, Monday. Besefer Chaim. Uh, before that, Benny Friedman's Besefer Chaim to open up the hour here at JM in the AM. Good morning. Welcome to a Thursday, sixth day of the Aserashimei Tshuva of the 10 Days of Repentance. If you missed our conversation about 5784 with Rabbi Heber yesterday, make sure to check out the archive later on today. You'll be glad you did, that I could tell you. Um, there's a rally today at 540 Park Avenue in New York across from the Regency Hotel, and it's put together by a whole bunch of amazing organizations. Um, AFSI, ZOA, AMCHA, um... American Friends of Lee Kud, and many, many others. There are a lot of organizations that are part of this today. American Friends of Judea and Samaria. Uh, the rally is taking place, a Stand with Israel and its democratically elected government rally is uh, taking place today starting at 6 p.m. It goes from 6 until 8 p.m. tonight at 540 Park Avenue across from the Regency Hotel in New York City. So if you're available... Uh, the Stand with Israel rally again tonight starting at 6 p.m. with over 20 pro-Israel organizations. And again, it is a 540 Park Avenue across from the Regency Hotel. So for those of us who always complain that there aren't uh, people making other people aware of the precarious situation that Israel is in, Here's an opportunity to take to the streets and support the Israeli government. Um, yeah. So there you have it. That rally is tonight starting at 6 p.m. until 8 o'clock. Right here at uh, in New York City at 540 Park Avenue. Um, all right, there you have it. Thursday morning broadcast here at JM in the AM. Coming up in the eight o'clock hour, Alon Arvatz. The book is called The Battle for Your Computer. He's going to be visiting us here in studio at JM in the AM, which is pretty cool. That'll be at about 830 this morning. Right here on a um, on a Thursday morning broadcast. More coming up. This is from Micha Gammerman. <laughs> Oh, you may. 
JM in the AM. It's brand new from Avramo, Avram Freed here at JM in the AM. Called the Habein Yaker Lee. Salachi, the Micha Gamerman before that. Here on a JM in the AM Thursday. Coming up one hour from now, uh, we'll be speaking with Alon Arvatz. Alon Arvatz is the uh, author of the book, The Battle for Your Computer. He is going to be with us live in studio here at JM in the AM. I think my lack of knowledge of cybersecurity will become evident <laughs> during that conversation. <laughs> uh, but we are going to try our best to uh, analyze uh, what he has to say regarding the book, regarding the uh, topic of cybersecurity which is one of the most important uh, things that needs to be addressed these days, that's for sure. Uh, and we'll do that all coming up right here at the JM in the AM. Thursday morning broadcast, full schedule today, as you would expect, including the Arab Shabbos Show. Mark Zamek hosts the Arab Shabbos Show, and imagine how amazing it's going to be today with Shabbos Shuva. Uh, the Arab Shabbos Show at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Again, that's going to be happening starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight, followed by Tani Gutterman and his discussion of the weekly Parsha. Uh, so make sure to be tuned in. You don't want to miss the Arab Shabbos show. That I can tell you. Always brilliantly curated and uh, wonderfully hosted. Uh, again, presented by our friends at Kedem. And a big thank you to big... Uh, to, and a big thank you, rather, to Mark Zamek for his uh, incredible commitment to the Arab Shabbos show each and every week. So make sure to be tuned in 7 o'clock tonight, followed by Tani Gutterman. Live lunch with Yossi Zweig happens at 11 a.m. Eastern time, exclusive for us here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, no need to touch that dial. Just keep it here all day long. Simple as that. Rabbi David Goldwasser was brilliant last night. What an incredible way he has to inspire people, especially during the Aserah Shemay Tshuva, and I thank him. It was wonderful being at the Young Israel of East Brunswick. It was wonderful to see Rabbi Wasser. It was wonderful to see B and Ralph Rosenbaum, who sponsored the event. And the surprise, surprise, all the way from Florida, listener Cena flew up from Florida to be part of the audience at Rabbi Goldwasser's presentation last evening. How amazing is that? Not only that, I got to have dinner with listeners Cena and a select group of people before the event. So it was great seeing listeners Cena all the way from Florida for Rabbi Goldwasser's presentation. That's an amazing commitment. And again, thanks to the Rosenbaums and the thanks to the Young Israel of East Brunswick. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. In the Sefer Od Yosef Chai, there's an interesting incident of a very wealthy man who was traveling home on a horse. When he was far away from the city, he came across a person who couldn't walk, sitting on the road. He was crying. He asked the rich man for a matana. The wealthy man got off the horse, and he gave him a silver coin. However, the man kept begging that he wants to be taken to the city on the horse because he can't walk on his feet. The wealthy man who had a lave tobe, a good heart, said, okay, come up on the horse. The wealthy man even gave him the reins while he sat behind him. 
when they came into the city, the man who he had picked up stopped the horse and said, Okay, you go down from the horse and leave in peace. The wealthy man said, What are you talking about? This is my horse. You get off the horse now before I throw you off. The other man began to cry and yell bitterly. Since the reins were in his hands, he started to scream to the people who were passing by, Look what this Russia is doing. Help me, because I can't walk, and I'm not able to fight against such a man who wants to steal the horse. I had been riding along, and he asked me for a ride, and he was tired. I did him a favor. I allowed him to come with me on the horse, and now he wants to throw me off the horse, which I invested all my money in. Please help me. Have mercy on me. The tears started to stream down his face. The people had Rachmanus on him. They believed him. The wealthy person said everything that that guy says is complete sheker. The truth is exactly the opposite. I had mercy on him, and now he wants to steal my horse. They went before the judge. The judge turned to the wealthy man and said, I see that your words are true, but what can I do? You lost the schus through your own hands when you agreed to let the man drive the horse. He should have been behind you, and the reins should have been in your hands. Then he would never be able to argue that the horse is his. But the fact that he was riding the horse is made that the horse is his, and he was able to cleverly use you. We should always remember, in life, there are certain times when we should be in control of the situation, when we should not let the Yetzirah hold the reins. If we keep the reins in our own hands, then we will always be the owner. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Shuvashem, 
J.M. the A.M. Live in Jerusalem with Eitan Katz and Hannes Shamalach. Pretty amazing, huh? That is uh, that is quite a tune, to say the least. And boy, is it perfect for this time of year. Before that, Zusha with um, with Shuva. You heard Shuva from Michal Przansky. The late, great uh, Shimon Kugel with Shuvi Nafshi. Before that, here at J.M. in the A.M. Coming up in hour number three at about 8.30 this morning, Eastern Time, Alone Arvitz. The name of the book is the name of the book is the battle for your computer. He's a cybersecurity genius. We get to speak with him coming up. I know conversation is going to be completely over my head, but I'm going to try my best. Trust me, I'm going to try my best to uh, 
to glean what I can and pass on to you from uh, our guests coming up this morning here at JM in the AM. Um, what else? Oh, wow. Listener Patty says, so proud of my oldest grandchild who made Aliyah earlier today. She's the one who took me from my first trip to Israel. Wow. Wow. Someone yesterday, I mean, I could mention who it is, but he probably wouldn't want me to. It is unbelievable. He has uh, four sons. If I have, I think I have the count correct. Four sons. It, it, now the fourth is about to make Aliyah. They all went to yeshiva in Israel and basically never came back. Um, or if they did, they're back on shlichut and they're you know still quote unquote in Israel, just you know taking a year or two to to work as shlichim here in uh, in America. But anyway. Uh, that got me. I said to him, I said, wow, boy, where did you go right? Pretty amazing. Anyway, um, what can I tell you? Yesterday, uh, not yesterday, one week ago today, one week ago today was our 40th anniversary celebration. How incredible was that? 40th anniversary celebration was one week ago already. A very, very special day. Uh, those of you who would like to, and I, I hope many of you out there who feel close enough to this program and to this network will feel the uh, the urge to do so. Those of you who would like to become ambassadors for our year-end 40th anniversary campaign, that link is up right now. Go to NahumSiegel.com. You'll see it at the top of the page. Please become an ambassador. Uh, also, the uh, banner at the top of our app will also lead you there. So please become an ambassador for our 40th anniversary campaign that would be amazing if you would and in advance i will say i greatly appreciate it um yeah greatly appreciate it is right so the 40th anniversary celebration was one week ago my gosh my gosh pretty amazing we want to remind everybody coming up tonight it's the arab shabbos show with mark zamek starts at 7 p.m eastern time brought to you by the wonderful people at kedem and that's going to be tonight at 7, followed by Tani Gutterman and his uh, discussion of the Torah portion. Again, tonight, it'll happen uh, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Also, a big shout-out to our friend Seth Levitt, who was here last Thursday one week ago. Uh, he's the man in charge of A&H. I mean, it's amazing. You get into a conversation with people about kosher hot dogs, kosher salami, kosher meat. A&H is always at the top, always at the top. Could be the first position, the second position. They are always in the discussion of the absolute very best. And you know what we think about them. And, uh, ooh, actually, there's a Thursday night football game today. Maybe I'll take out some A&H knockwurst. That would be good. You know what we always say, boil up some knockwurst from A&H, put it on a nice hot dog bun, drown it in your favorite condiment, and you're all set. It's the best way to take a break and watch a little bit of the NFL. Anyway, anyway, we'll see. I don't know. I It may be a little too late. Yeah, An 8, an eight o'clock start may be too late for me, frankly. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Nonetheless, go to the A&H website, kosherdogs.net. Take a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. More coming up. Alon Arvitz joins us a half hour from now here at JM in the AM live in studio. And this is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network. And of course, on the beloved NSN app. 
J.M. in the A.M. with Eitan Katz. Rachamana. Rachamana before that from Aish. Before that, you heard Maloch done by Mordechai Ben David. Sixth day of the year. Sixth day of the Aserish Chuva. Ten days of repentance on this Thursday morning broadcast. Hope the new year is treating you well. Happy, healthy, sweet new year to everybody. Alon Arvitz is going to join us, author of the book, The Battle for Your Computer, coming up at um, 8.30 this morning. It's about 10 minutes from now right here at JM, and then we'll be live in studio with us here in New Jersey, which is pretty cool. We'll speak with him coming up here at JM and the AM. Uh, Mark Zamek hosts the Arab Shabbat Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's going to be tonight, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, followed by Tani Gutterman in this week's uh, Torah portion. By the way, before the Mordechai and David selection, the two Shlomo Kalbach tunes were Hanna Shamalach and Kili Shuascha. Hanna Shamalach, for obvious reasons, were in the middle of Slichus. And Kili Shuascha, one of the most underrated Kalbach songs ever, in my opinion. <laughs> so when I saw it come up on the list, I said, I got to play this one. <laughs> JM in the AM, brand new. Yassi Lissauer, JM in the AM. Hashem, 
on a Thursday morning broadcast with the song entitled Chuva done by Mendy Warch. Uh, before that, Yessi Lissauer, Zachar. It's also brand new. <laughs> it came out a couple of weeks ago, barely brand new with the uh, number of selections and albums that we've been inundated with over the last week or so. It's just amazing. Every day someone comes out with something and it's replaced by something else the next day. Uh, short-lived, har- hard to have lasting value these days in the world of Jewish music. JM the AM Thursday morning broadcast. Reminder, Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos show coming up at 7 p.m. Eastern time, followed by Tani Gutterman with the Torah portion that starts at 7 p.m. tonight, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Make sure to be tuned in. You know what Thursdays are like here at the Nahum Siegel Network? No reason to touch that dial. Keep it here all day long. You'll be glad you did. Live in studio this morning here at JM and the AM is the author of the book, The Battle for Your Computer. Alon Arvitz is here. The subtitle is Israel and the Growth of the Global Cybersecurity 
industry. A pleasure to say Shana Tova and Shalom. Welcome to JM in the AM. Shana Tova and Shalom Nachum. Why are you in Teaneck, New Jersey? Oh, that's an amazing question. <laughs> so actually, after I founded my previous startup, Insights, cybersecurity startup. Which started in Israel. We started in Israel, um, and we sold it in 2021. I got to a conclusion that it's not enough for me. I want another startup. So I'll find another one. In the same space? In the same uh, cybersecurity? So actually, no. Adjacent uh, space, uh, cloud computing. Wow. Yes. Uh, very similar, similar technologies. Uh, I can bring a lot of my enterprise experience, uh, but different space. And in order uh, to do that, you need to be in the USA? Yeah. So this time, unlike in the previous startup, I'm the CEO. Right. So I'm also responsible for building all the go-to-market uh, organization for the mm. company. And go-to-market is in the US. The customer is here. How long have you been here? One month. Literally. Literally. You just got here, so yeah, to speak. August 23rd. <laughs> this is when I landed. So you missed Rosh Hashanah in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have my first abroad, by the way. Was it nice here? Yeah. It very nice. A, it it's Tinek, you know. A, That's me in Israel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, be careful. Please be careful. <laughs> and where, where are you from? What city in Israel do you originate from? So I, I grew up in Ranana. Wow. Probably many Americans know Ranana. No wonder you know English so well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know English so well because my dad worked all these years in the high-tech industry. Uh, he's an Israeli. He's an Israeli. And he's been Pure going Israeli. around the world. I'm seventh generation yeah. in Israel. Wow. Um, and he knew that it's very important to know English. Like he works with English all day long. So since I'm in first grade, I'm going to tutors to learn English. Mm. He must be thrilled with what's happened to your career, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah, I guess so. He's pretty proud. And actually, a couple of years ago, he became a CFO in a cybersecurity company. Which so is based where? Which is based in Ramat Gan. Wow. In Israel. Um, and it's funny because suddenly we're in the same space and we can talk about cybersecurity. Right. Well, you're pr- <laughs> probably certain things you can't talk about, right? Exactly. I would assume. Exactly. <laughs> Some we can't, uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's funny. I have two nephews, one in the army, one in the Navy, who do this, who do what you describe in the book, are always monitoring what's going on in other countries, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't surprise you. There are plenty of young people in Israel doing that, right? All right, there are plenty of those. And and they can't say, I mean, you know this, and, and it's obvious to anybody, they can't say a word to anybody about anything. You know, <laughs> we, we, we can't even ask them, you know, how 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 work was today, because they it's just better for them to keep their mouths shut, frankly. Yeah, of course. Uh, with, and today it's possible to say a lot more than in the past. Okay, in the really? past, you couldn't have said anything. This book, by the way, went through censorship. I would imagine. And, and 10 years ago, it would never have been printed, or that's not fair? I, I wouldn't say never been printed, but a lot of things that exist in the book would have taken out. Right. You actually what, do, I, you are careful with certain names, not to actually use the real names, yeah, things like yeah, that. And but. some things were taken off. Right. Some things were taken off. And so, the censor means what? An official army censor? Or who, who is it that's doing that censoring? Um, no, that's like, I think the... Um, is there a firm that does it? Like no, 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 no. It's the, it's like a, it's it's, um, it's part of the government. An arm basically. of the government. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Not remember what part, what ministry exactly. Yeah. Misrat has something. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there, it's like it's a, it's a, it's an organization that's right. all focused on censorship and right. books, movies, whatever. The, the, uh, the story about your father may answer my first question. Um, how long ago did he start in this whole space? And the reason I'm asking that is because I was trying to figure. You know, I, I was in high school in the '80s. So you could imagine that, you know, I mean, I remember word processors when we started using those and buying my first one. And then I remember the 
the I forgot what they called it. It was a it was a brother machine that that was actually like some type of computer or word processor, but more advanced. And then I've you know I used that for assignments and articles and things like that. And I used that at the start of my career as well. And then at some point in the nineties, I'm assuming around the same time that we started to be able to be heard around the world, around the same time that email became commonplace. Right. That's probably the watershed moment where we where we sprung forward into this whole era. Would you say that? Yeah, definitely. And I talk about it in the book. Uh, so basically, it's important to understand when you talk about cybersecurity, cybersecurity is always one step after a new technology. Right. Okay. So there is internet. Stay ahead of the bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. Usually they're ahead of us. Okay? Right. I, that's what Usually scares me. Of us. That's, that's why I'm wondering, <laughs> after reading your book, I'm saying to myself, how is it possible that they don't know everything about me, these guys? Maybe they do. It's possible. Maybe they do. <laughs> but basically, you know, there's a new technology. The bad guys come in. They say, okay, new technology. There is a new way to get into other people's computers, smartphone, whatever. Right. They find the way in. And then we... As the defenders, we understand how they do it, and we build defenses. Yeah, this is how it works. I mean, I hate to jump forward, but you know, l- let's take some of the classic examples of this. It's no secret, and you credit both the U.S. and Israel for this. I, 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 I only, I only heard credit, you know, 15 years ago to Israel, uh, in terms of the, um, uh, in, in terms of being able to infiltrate Iranian computers and actually shut down their system of building nuclear technology, right? That's essentially right. what it did, right? right. Am, am I right, by the way, to give Israel more credit than anyone else on this, or, uh, or not necessarily? I don't know. Okay. New York Times said... That the U.S. had is- a role. Israel and U.S. Okay. Is what they said. Let's Got stick it. to that. So, so now, one would assume that, especially at this point, that the bad guys, so to speak, have some, if not all, of the same technology that you, and I use that obviously in a colloquial form, that you used to destroy their progress, which begs the question, how is our electric grid in the United States still standing or still in motion? How is their water still being supplied to every home in this area? I mean, if everything is being operated by computers and the bad guys are good at what they do, how do we stay ahead of them on these basic things? Yeah. So first of all, it's important to say that it's very different a state-level attack than, than a cyber criminal that sits in his home and attacking computers. Like the level of expertise, the level of technology, the level of understanding on how to implement a successful attack is very different. Which is so higher. State is by far higher. Really? Okay. Of course, of course. And like today in security, they say if, if I don't know, China wants to break into your computer, they can do it. Right. It will take them two months, six months, one year. Right. Eventually it will happen. And you it, have proof about what the Russians did. Uh, the Russians, the Chinese, right. you know, we talk about all these guys in the book. Right. Uh, they've done crazy stuff. So why, excuse the question, but why are they not? ruining the Teaneck water system. What, what, <laughs> what is it that prevents them from doing that? Yeah, so first of all, um, cyberspace has become a space where you engage in war. This is how right. it works, right? So basically, it's part of the politics, okay? And the foreign affairs with these companies, they're so uh, with this country, so they don't want to mess in the U.S. necessarily. So they prefer to stay quiet. Interesting. They prefer to stay quiet. For example, um, China had a few very successful espionage campaigns against the U.S., right. okay? So, for example, I talk about the attack against um, Lockheed Martin and the fact that they were... They actually had a cyber attack on Lockheed. Definitely Lockheed successful. makes the most what? The state-of-the-art the, the, air, aircraft? F-35. That's like the most, most state-of-the-art fighter jets. Exactly, exactly. 
okay? And allegedly, they were able to get some of the um, F-16 plans. So instead of investing years and years of research and development, they just launched a, a cyber attack, right. got into the computer, got the plan. And so in the yeah. old days, you would have to send a spy into the Lockheed offices, have them go in the middle of the night and take photographs of these plans, get them back to China, and eventually they would see this technology. Now, in an instant, it seems, without sending a human being, they have access to exactly. it. Exactly. By the way, there is an amazing story about this uh, Jewish-French uh, person that worked for the, uh, for the French government, and he was... Um, uh, he he helped uh, develop the MiG uh, a jet right. uh, fighter jet, sure. um, and he really wanted to help Israel back then. They didn't have any fighter jets, and they really needed it. So he just like took you know he just um, sn- snack papers and papers of the MiG plans, the technology. Right. Okay. And so like them to the Israelis uh, to Israel. Right. Okay. So just like page by page right. of papers. Well, that's how Israel. it was done. <laughs> that's how it was done. Today, you use it in China, you can get through the internet, right. access to someplace in, uh, right. in the US, you can get all the data back. If I, wrote, if I wrote an article in the 1980s, I'd put it, <laughs> put it in a file folder and save it. You, exactly. know, you know how it gets saved today? Very differently. <laughs> I know, I it's know. It's sitting in the cloud somewhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, Alon Arvitz is with us. The book is called The Battle for Your Computer. All right, so I asked you about the water system, and I, I like your answer because it seems to be, that's always the traditional answer about why Russia, going back now to the Cold War, did not launch a nuclear strike on the United States. Exactly. They didn't want to be the first to do that and it sounds like even though there is capability among some of these states to do what i just described electricity water etc they don't want to be the first to start that type of cyber war right exactly that's really it that's what holds them up from doing it that that's amazing which also uh, i i then assume that because the rogue guy sitting in his basement does not have the same quote-unquote ethics that some of the state leaders might have you know even if it's forced ethics so ethic or interest or interest right (laughs) so if he wanted to gain access to all my passwords to all the activities of this network which operates through a streaming service Etc. They could. They do, they would just have to have again the interest in doing so. It's sort of like it's sort of like I know my bank account's never going to be hacked because there's never more than a few thousand dollars in there. <laughs> but if I have a neighbor who's got a hundred thousand dollars in his bank account, the likelihood is that that he might get hacked. Right. Right. But to be fair, today it's a lot harder to launch a successful cyber attack than the best in the past. Past meaning what? Five years ago? Ten years ago? Uh, ten years ago. Really? Yeah. Of course, because uh, the defenses are, have really improved. So, you know, in the past, like when I was a kid, like kids my age could like get anywhere right. on the internet. They can take down website. They, and I have friends that have done it in the past. Right. Okay. Today it's a lot harder because today the security tools have really improved over time. So when you have a service like, like LifeLock, they legitimately can say that they are at the, you know, the state of the art top of their game when it comes to protecting one's privacy, when it comes to protecting one's identity? They can say that. It doesn't mean that you're 100% protected. Right. Okay, don't but get could fooled be, about but it. Could it be 99%? Yes. Definitely. Definitely. There is a concept in cybersecurity of people that are called script kiddies. Okay? This is people without very high expertise. They just try to do some basic stuff and to hack into places right. that think that doesn't keep security you know very well right that's the entire concept which is why when people generally speaking when we're alerted to some type of uh, infiltration it's usually a store credit card right it, it, right it, but that's not true 
I think some of the big banks have also been infiltrated, right? Of course. So because they're also very advanced attackers. No doubt about that. By the way, last week there was a huge attack against MGM and Caesars. These are companies that spend millions on security. So what hap- they- what happens practically? Are their customers at risk? Are like what happens in the end? Okay, so in in that specific case, uh the attackers gain control over all their data. Right. So that includes all the data about their customers. Every person who's ever signed up for their service. For example, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, and it's insane. It's casino. Well, right? ha- People don't want to know that. Right, but forget <laughs> that. But how dangerous is it that they have all this private information? Um, so I, I think, so, okay. So first of all, it's important to understand, like, unlike real war, in, in cyber war, like, the damage is limited. Like, no one is going, like, unless... No, but if every social security number of every single customer is now known by a hacker they've got that's a tremendous bad. advantage that's bad and chances are they do have every social security that's number bad, right? but but the, the danger well, you didn't is, answer my question chances are they do or don't have every social security number of, well, of, the of people in, in the in, in the their MGM. customer base yeah so i don't know they didn't publish what was exactly could it be uh, or you'd yeah. be surprised no could be definitely could be so my information and i use that you know generically for the billion people on this planet or how many billion there are everyone's information is out there it would be impossible to believe that some criminal doesn't have, you know, it collectively that the criminals don't have every piece of private information that's available out there. So I wouldn't say every piece, but, uh, you know, you need to assume that they have your personal data. Right. And you need to minimize the risk. That's what it's all about. You can't be 100% protected. Okay. That's the reality. We need to learn to live with that. Okay, so my, my mother-in-law, every time she thinks about someone having like the, the very little Correct. piece of information out there. It's scary. She, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so she gets very, really nervous about right. it. Um, but I think we need to understand t- and, and know how to live with that, okay? They do have some of my personal information, and I just need to minimize the risk and minimize my exposure. Is that your main goal? Is that your your yeah. startup all about minimizing the risk? Uh, my previous startup. Right, the previous my startup. New, my not, new the, startup. not the cloud computing. Yeah, exactly, not the cloud computing. Yeah, that's but what it's all about. But on the previous one, that's what it's yes. all about. I never said... And could you put it in... in, in could you put it in practical terms? Like, you know, <laughs> can you put it in old-time terms? How do... How does one minimize that risk? We know we know how to minimize the risk of being attacked. You secure right. the border. You send more, you know, men and women to the front. <laughs> you know, you have more tanks. You have more F-16s, et cetera, et cetera. What happens in cyber war? How do you minimize that risk? So, first of all, you need to understand how the attackers infiltrate your phone or computer. How does that happen? Okay? So, you need to understand they can come in through email. Right. And, and uh, a file that you click can install something on your device. Right. You need to understand that if you click a, a, a link to some website, mm-hmm. theoretically they can use that. That's to, how viruses years ago became so common because people exactly, clicked on, clicked on exactly, something they shouldn't have clicked on. Exactly, exactly. So you need to understand the infiltration techniques, right? And when you understand that and you become aware, you can also prevent them. Right. Today, I don't click anything. Right. Okay, that I don't know where and it came you, from. And if you get an email, even from a, a familiar bank, you just have to assume it's it's a scam. Yeah, and many times if I'm not 100% sure, I'm checking, like, who right. sent it to me. Right. So the fact that the, the name is written yeah, and my doesn't kid, mean he, he and sent it. And my kids it. have shown me that there'll, there'll be one letter that's lowercase instead of a traditional <laughs> uppercase. Exactly. And all and that zero stuff. Zero instead of an O. Correct. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> all are, why are Israelis so good at this? I mean, in general, there are people in history who have suggested that members of the Jewish faith 
Uh, some may have said Ashkenazic Jews. They're always at the top in terms of being able to, you know, decipher stuff like this. But what is the reality? Why are Israelis? Is your army experience have anything to do with this at all? Of course, and this is exactly the question the book is trying to answer. Okay, how Israel, a, a country that small, point. Uh, one two percent of the world population less than 10 million people right produces like 25 percent of the cybersecurity unicorn globally and the answer okay. is and the, the main answer is uh, like you said the military service okay we've really always, yes we've always been a country that needed to defend ourselves against enemies around us and the military had to adapt all the time so it's a, it's a mentality not a technique it's more it's, of a mentality it's a mentality and experience that we gain through our military service Okay, so I always like to compare it to NSA. NSA has amazing right. cyber capabilities. They're the expertise. ones responsible in this right. country for right. cybersecurity. But in Israel, you get recruited to the army when you're 18. Okay, you're doing like uh, three, four, five years of service, and then you go out. In these five years, you're doing crazy stuff related to cybersecurity. Okay, you need to defend your country. You need to get intelligence from the Iranian. You need to get intelligence from the Syrians. You need to do it all on time before something ha- bad happens. This is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. So you do crazy stuff. You get tons of capabilities, and there is aggregated expertise and experience in this organization. And after these three, four, five years, you go out to the industry. And what do you do? As someone who's done like five, for five years, the most cutting edge things in cybersecurity, right. you go and open a cybersecurity startup. So why do my nephews stay in the army and Navy? They should be going out and ma- <laughs> making millions in the private sector. Don't, don't, wouldn't you advise them that way? <laughs> uh, they should do what's good for them. <laughs> <laughs> but do you get those who want to be lifelong army people and stay in that system? Do you get that? Or, like, yeah, yeah. You can appreciate still, that. Ha- of course. Right. Of course, it's amazing and a lot of people do it. And in the, like, in the army, you can do things you, you cannot do any place else. Right. It's very unique. So now we have such limited time, but I, I, I got to ask you a couple of things. The the we know about again Israeli infiltration of what's happening in Iran. It, it, we also know that it's probably in Israel's best interest, as the president of the United States said this week at the UN, that Iran does not get nuclear capability to the point where they can create nuclear weapons, etc. Can you say to me, as an observer? that the likelihood is that Israel will never allow it the same way. And you point this out in the book, Begin sends, you know, in the early 80s, you know, fighter jets to, to knock out the Iraqi nuclear uh, reactor. I think Ilan Ramon was actually on that mission, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, and then we had no choice. It had to physically be eliminated. Can we do the same thing from the offices in Haifa and Tel Aviv and make sure they never get a nuclear weapon? So definitely, yes. And it has happened. Like, we, we, we literally... You know, damaged hundreds of centuries. Not we, uh, right. uh, Israel. Right. Quote unquote. Israel. <laughs> Quote unquote. So when the prime minister or even the president of the United States stokes this fear about Iran getting this, they're not being fair with us because the reality is Israel will never allow them. Will never allow Iran to get to that point. Israel will never allow, but I would say that uh, it will be foolish from Israel's side to only rely on its cyber capabilities, right. because cyber capabilities can be blocked. Okay, and we cannot rely only on that. We need to use politics. We need to. We need. We need foots on the ground. Right. Boots on the ground right. in Iran. We need everything to make it to stop it. We cannot rely only on our cyber capabilities. Right. So even though we have the capability, and and you do describe this in the book, uh, to possibly I don't want to say definitively to possibly <laughs> um, um, shut down tanks, 
fighter jets, etc., that are controlled by computers, right? right. It's possible to happen. Right. Nonetheless, we cannot go ahead and just eliminate the Israeli Air Force. We can't go ahead and eliminate, you know, tanks exactly. on the ground, etc. We cannot rely only on right. that. But but wouldn't and now I know I'm getting into a whole other topic. But I'm just curious, especially with your army um, uh, experience. We talk about a voluntary Israeli army, which I think would change the complexion of a lot of what's going on in Israel, especially the 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 terrible rift. Uh, what, I don't want to say terrible. The rift that exists, whether it's worse or better than it was before, is another question uh, between those who want to go to the army and those who don't want to go to the army. A volunteer army seems to me at this point much more realistic because especially if, it, if we're encouraged to do so for the reason I just mentioned, because it, we don't need as, as much as you're saying, we still need boots on the ground, F-16s, etc. We may not need it as much as we've needed up until this point. Do you think that Israel might be going in that direction or not? It's a very good question. I think it's more about politics than actually uh, defense, right. honestly. Uh, but I think what you said is generally right for technology. So as technology advances, we need less boots on the ground. Right. We can replace it with technology. So one fighter jet can do what you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, of uh, soldiers did like uh, 300 years ago. Right. Okay. So it's right about technology and cybersecurity is no different. How do I know if I buy a uh, a Tesla that there won't be a kid somewhere who's going to get into that Tesla's computer system and and destroy the brake system? So honestly, it's scary. It is possible, you're saying. It's, it's, yeah, you see, it, it has Musk, been proved. What, what kind of cybersecurity does this company it have? It has been proved, and I talk about it in the book as well, okay, that um, cars can be infiltrated. That experiment that you wrote yeah, about. The yeah, the experiment that I wrote yeah. about um, and controlled, okay? So it is scary, and honestly, you need to trust Tesla that they do a very good job with security. So what's his cybersecurity office like? <laughs> it must be insane. It must be huge, yeah. I hope it's huge <laughs> because that's scary. In other words, he needs an entire department just to fight the battles that you're describing. Exactly, and, and between you and me, I didn't rush to buy Tesla, and that's one of the main reasons. Like, so, I want to make sure they have the time to understand how right. to do security. So the driverless car, which people are afraid of, you know, the future of driverless cars, and they, and they point out that, you know, accidents have happened when they experiment, etc. Forget that. The reality is that in addition to all the mistakes that could be made mechanically with a car like that, there could be people hacking in and actually controlling those cars at some point. Yeah, it's definitely possible. Definitely possible. And it's scary, honestly. See, it's it scares me as well. <laughs> but no, but it's funny when you say possible. I also have to remember the space that you're in. Like it's right. it's in your, with all due respect, it's in your interest to keep this fear going among people that you know that something can go wrong at a moment's notice if someone in the basement yeah. wanted to make sure to do so. Although I'm not in cybersecurity anymore. No, I get that, right? And on, I'm telling you, on the personal level, um, I wouldn't rush to buy like a uh, Tesla until right. I, I I feel like they're. I've been through a few years right. of security development. Right. Okay, my, that's on my personal level. Do you use Dropbox? I use uh, Google Drive. Do you, are you afraid that Google Drive is being spied on by somebody or that? Honestly, no. From that perspective, uh, uh, you know, I trust Google. You know, I, I trust Google because trust they are what good at what? That because they're very good in security and technology in general. Um, and I know they invest, you know, tens of millions of dollars every year to keep this stuff uh, secured. And I also understand that it's not less secure than having these files on my computer. It's actually a lot safer that it's uh, there. They're worried about it, right? Yeah, so it's all about alternatives. Obviously, yeah. like, yeah, keeping it all, like, in the old days, in files, in the yeah. closet, in my house, that might be safer, 
okay? Uh, but that's not an option for me. Right. So it's about my computer on cloud, and when this is the question, I prefer the cloud. So your new book is sitting on Google Drive, and you're confident that nobody's reading it before <laughs> it comes out. I'm confident <laughs> enough to live with it. <laughs> You see, what, you see what I worry about? <laughs> now, what did you do? You wrote this in Hebrew and then someone translated it? Yes. yes. And, and how long does that take? Is it, is it a fast process to get it translated? Um, it's a few months. So I launched the book in Hebrew last January. Called what in Hebrew? Um, it's called um, The Best Defense. The, the, how do you say it in Hebrew? The Best Defense. Yeah. Because it's, it's like not even, it doesn't even allude to computers. It doesn't allude to, to uh, cybersecurity. Right, right. It's not allude to cybersecurity. Right. Uh, but it's about like Aganatova Biotel. So the best defense is right. offense. Right. And the book is about this game of offense and defense, right. and how Israel became like got a major role in that fight against the against the bad guys. So that's what makes them the best is that they're better at offense in, the, in this space in this area. So um, staying yes. ahead of the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Guys, because right. Israel has right. an amazing. Off offensive capabilities right. in the army and there is also like a private industry right. of cyber offensive tools right. this is why Israel became so good at defense at cyber security that's what it's all about unbelievable uh, the battle for your computer I'm assuming this is available everywhere at this point yeah Amazon whatever we trust Google Amazon, we trust Amazon okay. to get <laughs> we them. Trust if them, I yeah. give them my private information they'll, uh... <laughs> they'll do okay <laughs> <laughs> but they're also in that I mean, first of all, they have AWS. They do, of course. So imagine that the, as the way, same way you just described Google, Amazon deserves the same accolades, right? Of course. Of course. Of course. AWS is even scarier, I'd say. Because like like a lot of the software today is running on AWS. A lot of the things that are being stored in the cloud right. are stored on AWS. Right. So you know what I'm afraid of? And, and you may tell me I'm nuts. Because because these hackers have access to everything, let's say Twitter, for example, Instagram, whatever, they really can produce a tremendous panic in this world just by spreading what's a false rumor but dressed up as a real news item. They really, of course. Right. Of course. And it, it, it happened. It's happened. On I mean, the, it's, it's the war of the worlds 100 years later, basically. Right, right, exactly. So, you know, in the, in the 90s, through the Cold War, the Russians sent here people to influence the, the news outlets, right. right? Now they don't need to do that. You know, they're sitting in Moscow, whatever, <laughs> wherever in Russia. And, and to think that that's not happening is silly. It's definitely happening. It's silly. It's definitely happening. And it was proved that, like, not on the last elections, but the one before, that they've done it. What about the Israeli okay. elections? Um, so, okay, so in the Israeli election, there was uh, evidence that Iran tried to influence the public opinion through Facebook. So it's happening all the time. Right. And like like fake profiles, all of us get, if you have Facebook, you get friend requests from fake profiles. Like if you go and look, you'll see they have, they have nothing behind them. You will also see like people that are like, perceived as Americans, but if you look at the context on the profile, you, you can see broken English. Or for Israel, it's broken Hebrew, right? So you can tell that someone that's not American is trying to pretend to be an American or an Iranian right. pretending to be an Israeli. So if you you can if you pay close attention, don't approve every like friend request, you will see that there are people that are trying to build their network in your country. How large did your company get before you sold it? How many employees were there? So we had uh, uh, over 200 employees. Really? Yeah, yeah, uh, we reached to a point of, of all all Jewish Israelis, or not necessarily. No, so we had like a hundred plus in Israel, um, and another hundred here in the U.S. 
Okay, some of them, by the way, also in the U.S. are Israelis that right. that that moved Live here, here or live lives here. And the majority of them were on the West Coast, or not necessarily. Not necessarily. Actually, actually, my co-founder he moved here to New York area. Um, he started in the West Coast because this is what we thought is best. Usually, um, at least what people say is that the talent in the the West Coast right. is better for for tech companies. Right. Uh, but like the time differences between Israel and the West Coast is just impossible. Right. If you want to stay close. To the product, to the product development, and that happens in Israel. So you need to be here in the New York. So at least you have like you know these three hours where yeah. you can have meetings with your people. No, I get that. I mean, I, I've been on the West Coast, and 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 it, hit, <laughs> and it hit me that when things happen there at night, the rest of the world doesn't know about it. Right. Because it's the middle of the night everywhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I can appreciate that. All right, everybody, we're highly recommending it. It's pretty cool. And if you're interested in this whole, I, I know we've run out of time completely, but I have to give me a thirty second answer. Cryptocurrency, right? It, 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 isn't it set up to eventually be completely disbanded or or hacked or crashed or be valueless because of the bad guys that are out there? Of course, and people are stealing Bitcoins all the time. Actually, Bitcoin is, is the most valued asset because you cannot track who moved it to where. Right. And no one knows who ha- have how much Bitcoins. So that's like the most precious asset out there. So if you want to make money, out of cyber activities, Bitcoin is your number one target. Meaning Bitcoin is the number one target to buy and then sell, or Bitcoin's number one target Bi- to Bitcoin hack? to hack. Because if you get Bitcoin from some someone, you no one can tell like who took it from where and how it got there. How it got there. Wow. So that's I, and by the way, I'm not upset that we ran out of time. <laughs> With another hour, I would never understand that. I, I just don't get it. But all right, you know, uh, for me, cash is still king. <laughs> Simple as that. Alon Arvitz, everybody. He's the author of The Battle for Your Computer, Israel, and the Growth of the Global Cybersecurity Industry. Enjoy New Jersey and Shana Tova to you. Thank you very much. And, and thanks for being here today. Achenobi Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world, the web at NahumSingle.com, on the NahumSingle Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Thursday here at JM in the AM. Coming up, Yossi Zweig in a Thursday live lunch at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Tonight, Mark Zamek hosts the Arab Shabbos show starting at 7 p.m., followed by uh, Tani Gutterman in his Torah portion of the discussion. And that all begins at 7 o'clock, presented by the wonderful people at Kedem. Tomorrow, we're back for an Erev Shabbos Shuva edition of JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Thursday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future. Sure.